From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. During our premier spring event, the 2023 Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference, Attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. You're going to want to go to mgma.com mpe23 to learn more and to register today. Hi, this is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. I am joined today for a roundtable discussion on prescription quality workflow disruption. Today, I'm joined by Scott Rojaviak, Manager of Product Performance at SureScripts, and Bree Pelowich, Clinical Informatics Pharmacist with SureScripts. Um, Scott, I'm going to start with you. If you don't mind, just telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what your role is with SureScripts. Sure. Thanks, Daniel, for having me. So Scott Rahaviak, Manager of Product Performance with SureScripts. So I'm an informatics pharmacist, joined SureScripts in 2019, and have been really focused on prescription data quality and doing analysis for customers and research. Okay. Scott, I wanted to just ask you a quick question. Our audience may be asking the same question. I'm thinking in my head, what is an informatics pharmacist versus a pharmacist? What What's the kind of definition or differentiator there? Sure. Yeah. Pharmacy informatics really explores healthcare data. And so we're in, really focused in on drawing insights out of these mountains of healthcare data that we have and analyzing and providing that end user, that pharmacist take on those insights that you're drawing out of the data. Okay. Thanks for that. Bree, same thing for you. A little bit about your background and, and what you your role is there at SureScripts. Absolutely. Well, really excited to be here today. As Daniel mentioned, my name is Bree Palowich and I am also a clinical informatics pharmacist here at SureScripts out of our Arlington, Virginia office. By background, I am a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, and I've practiced in community, hospital, ambulatory care settings. I also spent time in professional associations supporting long-term care, managed care, and endocrine specialties. Scott and I are both on the SureScripts performance team, which focuses on quality, as Scott has alluded to. So we work with some of our network alliance partners in every facet and setting to really identify solutions for some of the most pressing e-prescribing pain points um, in our healthcare system. Some of our initiatives include prescription accuracy, process improvements, um, and directory integrity, which is exactly what we'll be discussing today. So really excited to be here. Okay. Thank you so much for setting that stage for us. So Scott, I know that the three of us met offline uh, right before the holidays. We went over some things that we're going to be talking about today. So I want uh, you to share some of your examples here that you have of human interaction gone wrong. I think it really sets the stage for what we're going to be exploring today. 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you recall back in 2018, it was all over the news. There was an, a ballistic missile alert sent out to the residents of Hawaii. And I actually had a coworker there at the time. And surprisingly, it was not her favorite part of the vacation, if you can imagine. And so it was a harrowing <laughs> couple of hours. And it turns out the the result or, or what really caused this alert to go out was just human error. Allegedly, there's this drop down that the two options under this drop down are missile test and missile alert. And uh, as humans tend to do once in a while, the, the wrong option was chosen and this alert went out. And another example is you see this in the news from time to time where you'll see the bank deposited millions of dollars into somebody's account. And so I was discussing one specific example where $37 million was deposited into one customer's account. And the result or, or kind of the what caused that was the bank teller had typed in the account number into the amount to be deposited field. Sadly, the individual didn't get to keep the money. But even NASA's not immune to this. And so I think it's 1998 or 1999, some JPL engineers didn't take into account that some of the units they were working with had been converted in some of the formulas. And we wound up losing millions and millions of dollars in this rover that crashed into Mars. And so all of these have that common theme of a human was intervening and once in a while a mistake is made. Now healthcare individuals or healthcare workers are really good at catching these errors, which is a, a really good thing. But we started to wonder at what cost are we paying to intervene or, or to catch these errors? And when we clean this data, are we taking time away from patients, time or attention away from patients? And so what we did is we went out and we wanted to try to measure this. And so the purpose of our study was to gather information related to what happens when we introduce human intervention into the process. And so what issues cause that need for intervention? Do our users agree? on what needs an intervention and who's performing the intervention, that can be really, really important because there can be vast cost differences between various healthcare individuals that may be performing that intervention. And then ultimately what's the impact to the user. So Scott, I wanna follow up then one last question here before we move on to the next topic, but in your role at SureScripts, what does it look like when you're involved with um, an intervention, so to speak. Sure. So with our quality program that we run, we're generally working with large EHR organizations and pharmacy organizations and working with them collaboratively to try to build in quality into the development that they're doing so that we can ease the experience on our end users, be it pharmacists or prescribers. Okay. That is very helpful. So thanks so much for it's just like a different world for me. I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I know what my interaction is with when I go to a pharmacy to fill <laughs> fill a prescription, but it's much vastly different behind the scenes here. So I really appreciate this behind the scenes look. Um, Bree, I want to move on to you now, and you, I know that you've got some interesting uh, research that you've been involved with on workflow disruption 
what can you tell us about this project? Just kind of give us the nuts and bolts there. Absolutely. So I'm going to be dropping some numbers here. I feel like we need a whiteboard, a virtual whiteboard to go over this, but let's jump in. So in 2020, we partnered with a third-party research firm so that we could better understand how prevalent data issues were impacting pharmacy, clinical efficiencies, patient safety, and satisfaction. Um, As Scott and I have discussed, we have a very robust quality program, but we still suspected that pharmacies were causing, or prescriptions were causing pharmacists to pause, exit their workflow, to either correct or clarify any unclear, confusing prescription information that was coming through in e-prescriptions. Those extra steps or that manual intervention were a natural place for us to focus and they absolutely have potential to decrease efficiencies, delay prescriptions getting to the patients, and most importantly, that patient safety. So to set the scene, we conducted interviews with 12 practicing pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to discuss their workflow and their perceived burden through just their day-to-day roles and responsibilities. So each pharmacist received 300 prescriptions to identify any issues or actions needed. Um, For those unaware, 300 prescriptions is a a pretty fair average of scripts filled per day at your standard community pharmacy. pharmacy. Some less, some more, but we felt that 300 was um, a nice representation of the market. The prescriptions would have a variety of issues, but again, all very common for day-to-day interference. We then had an impact survey where we wanted to assess the prevalence of making said interventions. So we asked those um, participating pharmacists, what percentage of prescriptions would you say require an intervention by the pharmacy team to address poor data quality? Now to elaborate on what poor data quality means, this could be confusing patient directions, medication quantity, any prescriber notes that were coming through, day supply, et cetera. So of those 70, 70% of those respondents perceived that their intervention prevalence would be less than 10% and accepted that it was just part of their job. Now, Scott and I have both worked in the traditional community practice. And when I first thought of my answer, 10% seemed totally accurate. I was like, yeah, that, that seems about right. It's just part of my day. Um, However, the actual prevalence turned out to be about 46%, which is almost half. Exactly. I was shocked too. And I, and I lived the the dream (laughs) Um, or nightmare, I should say. Um, So yeah, that's almost half of the prescriptions that are coming through needing either a manual or a cognitive intervention. Um, So Daniel, you earlier had said, you know, I go to the pharmacy and I pick up prescription. You're falling into a 54% of prescriptions that could be filled immediately, or you might not even know that you fell into that other side um, in needing any of those interventions. So to kind of break down, Scott, I loved your example earlier of like reviewing a text from a family member. Uh, A minimal interaction is just thinking, what the heck are you sending? A significant action is calling your mom and saying, what are you talking about? And that's going to take much longer than a quick text. Um, So now to relate that to this research project, um, 11% had a minimal um, action, 29%, which is almost a third, had a moderate action, um, and then 6% had significant. So again, if we had this whiteboard, I'd further break down. Um, A minimal 
action meant that 16 to 30 seconds were spent on the intervention for the moderate one to three minutes. Now, a few seconds or a few minutes, it doesn't seem that long or arduous, but it quickly adds up. Um, so with that pharmacy, with an average of 30 scripts per day, staff is spending 18 hours a week performing minimal or moderate intervention, which is almost two days of a full-time employee focused on these. Um, so that is a big chunk. That was a glaring number. That is definitely more than the 10% that we uh, perceived. Um, and if we break down that 6% of a significant intervention. These are taking 10 minutes or more. Um, at that same pharmacy of 300 scripts per day, staff is spending 15 hours a week performing these interventions. Um, a significant intervention usually includes, as Scott discussed earlier, calling, messaging, faxing, clinical staff, sometimes payer to get a medication um, covered. So just a really significant number there. Um, of those large significant impacts. Um, the patient directions or what we call in pharmacy a SIG is capturing about half of those problem fields. So this is having to make a call, a fax, send a message um, to clarify missing key information, cleaning up unnecessary or repetitive um, instructions, or sometimes just confirming something that came through that feels ambiguous and you don't want to send out to the patient. Um, and then we also, the, the second highest was sometimes having to confirm either the quantity or what we call the quantity of unit measure, um, what it actually needs to be. And that added up to an 81%. So these are some, some large numbers. Um, so we, we're coming out of some of the data breakdown right there. Um, and now talk about who is performing these interventions. Most of it is coming down to um, the resolution from the pharmacist and the clinicians. And we have incredible administrative support, both in the pharmacy and in our provider offices, but it's typically taking the pharmacist speaking directly to the clinical team to resolve, um, whether that's a therapeutic discussion. Some states, legally, it's only the pharmacist that can um, have those conversations. So it's taking the pharmacist, again, away from the cognitive work stream to, to make these um, interventions, then also interrupting the work stream of those at the provider office. So again, this all sets the tone for how many clarifications and cleanups are required at your average pharmacy. But let's interject Scott's point earlier on imposing risk with the human right. touch. So his examples are great and they may make you giggle a bit, but you shouldn't giggle when you apply that to healthcare. Um, a minor example, such as a quick SIG cleanup or a direction cleanup with a pharmacist truly thinking, I should fix that so that the patient better understands this, can immediately add the risk of human error. In fact, um, the University of Michigan had a study that found 84% of e-prescriptions have a direction edited by the pharmacy for better readability. Um, Scott, I know you were involved in a lot of these interviews. Is there Anything else you'd like to cover or bring up? I, I think you did a fantastic job there, Bree. I wanted to piggyback one thing, and, and that's these numbers Bree's presented are really the things we can measure that are happening within the four walls of the prescriber's office or within the four walls of the pharmacy. The impact we'll never really be able to measure is 
that pharmacist laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, yeah. thinking, gosh, I, I saw Mrs. Jones today, but I didn't get a minute to speak with her. Mm-hmm. I, I hope she understands how to use this or that pediatrician who's yep. laying at home at night, looking at the ceiling, thinking, oh my goodness, I hope I explained to Mrs. Smith how to use her inhaler well enough. I hope the pharmacy had a moment to do that. And when we're cleaning data, that takes up time that we could have spent with the Mrs. Joneses or the Mrs. Smiths. And you even can think of the patient at home with that spoonful of amoxicillin headed towards to administer to their child. And she's thinking in her head, gosh, do I have enough information on this medication? Is this dose right? I, I wish I had talked to the pharmacist, but that pharmacist seemed really busy. Mm-hmm. I wish I had had another minute with the doctor. The doctor seemed so busy. Those are the, the really, really impactful things that we won't be able to measure with something like this. Wow. That is a powerful way to look at it. So let's, final thought here then, let's really uh, look at how we can tie in the MGMA members, our listeners, their practice leaders and administrators, they're going to be, you know, impacted by this workflow disruption as well. So Scott, I want to start with you then. How do we begin to uh, make that connection and uh, remove some of these interventions that are taking place? Yeah, great question. I think first and foremost, it would be to ensure that you have a culture of quality. While our study looked at pharmacy workflow disruption, as Bree mentioned, a number of the interventions came back to the prescriber's office for clarification, which takes up time within the prescriber's office as well. You know, our EHR and pharmacy partners have done an amazing job building out functionality, which helps ensure high quality communication. I would ensure you're using all the functionality available to you. For example, are you sending a compendia sourced e-prescribing drug name for your drug description? Are you using a SIG composer instead of free text for directions? Or are you populating a diagnosis code, which really helps reduce look-alike, sound-alike errors? You know, we have our e-prescribing quality guidelines posted on our website, which really gives clinical rationale behind why we look at what we look at. And there's other things like, are you using our exchange and cancel RX, which enables electronic communication across the network instead of having to make phone calls or send faxes. And then ensuring you're using up-to-date compendia data, up-to-date information is always the best. And then also I would ensure you're using price transparency tools like real-time prescription benefit and electronic prior authorization to help prevent calls coming back because the medication costs too much or it needs a prior authorization. Finally, I'd say Just ensure you have best practices and processes in place to ensure good quality script creation. All right. Um, Bree, what do you want to add to that? Anything else you want to share? Scott took the words out of my mouth, um, hit on exactly what we need to be doing to optimize anything upstream and the prescribing process to help pharmacists at the point of dispensing and counseling. Um, the too long didn't read version of the stats I shared earlier um, is if we combine that 18 hours for the minimal and moderate intervention with 15 minutes for significant, we get 33 hours of interventions conducted per
per week. And again, to Scott's point, those 33 hours per week that pharmacists could be using to really work with both their patients and their clinical teams would just be phenomenal. As, as pharmacists, we would prefer to spend our time talking to patients, counseling them on new medications, asking them about their current regimens, providing immunizations, um, conducting medication therapy management. And we would much rather be in contact with the clinical team to discuss any dose adjustments, new recommendations, interactions, and administrative clarifications. Um, we really want to trust the data that's coming in so that we can use our brain power to answer, is this the right medication for my patient versus is this just the right information? Um, so I think that your members can really help to improve those workflow disruptions, as Scott described, with strong data input um, to have strong data output. All right. Well, Bree Palowicz and Scott Brohaviak, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel. Much appreciated. Yep. Great to be here. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Business Solutions Podcast. We want to thank Scott Rohaviak, Manager of Product Performance at SureScripts, and Bree Palowicz, Clinical Informatics Pharmacist with SureScripts, for joining us today to talk about prescription quality workflow disruption. We also want to thank MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. The 2023 Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference is going to be held March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. You're going to want to go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. And if you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.